0: You're listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, Episode 209. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to Stand Out Get Noticed. I'm Christina Cantor's speaker, coach, and founder of The C-Method, where I help high-performing professionals and business leaders to build powerful communication skills. You can learn more at thecmethod.com. Now, I am back. If you've been listening for the last few weeks, you'll know that I have been off getting married and honeymooning. And of course, you would have heard from my good friend, Sean Resnick, my wonderful sister, Zay Canters, and their incredible partner, Bowie Stover, who all did episodes um, and took over the podcast. I loved their episodes. I listened to them. And um, if you haven't listened to them yet, then go back and, and check them out. Now, I know one of them, the one that Bowie and Zay did was probably a little bit controversial, but I I thought it was quite cool to have a different perspective on on the podcast. So, I hope you enjoyed that. Now, this week, I have another very special guest and he's sitting with me right here. And it is none other than my gorgeous new husband, Aaron Heath. Hi, Aaron.
1: Hello. (laughs) How are you? I'm very well.
0: How does it feel being married?
1: It's great. It's fantastic. You're sitting opposite me, so of course that's what I'm going to say. Yes, of course. (laughs) You better.
0: I've had a pretty good married life so far, all two weeks of it. Yeah, absolutely. So the reason why I asked Aaron to join me on the show was because we had a very unique experience last week. Was it last week when we were on our honeymoon? Yeah. And I wanted to share it with you because there are a number of lessons that we learned from it and I felt this was a really cool thing to share with you because I know there's a lot that we can all learn from this and apply to our own um, lives, you know, in the workplace as well. And it's all around fear and what our brains do to us when we are in fear. And it's also about learning. So when we're running a presentation, running a, a training session, a facilitation, or delivering a presentation and wanting to teach a concept. To our audience, how do we make sure that that learning sticks and that the audience trusts us and takes away a great experience from that? And Zay did talk about that in their last episode. So, this is like a follow on to that as well. So, if you run workshops or if you um, do presentations and want to be able to train people, teach people, and have them connect with you and your message, then this episode is going to be for you. It's going to be useful for you. So, Aaron, shall we get into it? Absolutely. So, Aaron, can you tell me more about, can you explain to the listeners, what was the experience that we had that prompted us to want to do this podcast?
1: Well, we recently went swimming with the sharks in Melbourne Aquarium and following on from that, what I've always wanted to do was get my diving license. So, while we were on our honeymoon, I I was pushing to to get our open water paddy license and one of Christina's friends was kind enough to organize uh, a boat trip out to a lovely island in Malaysia and we went out there to, to get our paddy license.
0: It was very last minute. Very last very, minute. We literally decided the night before and it was like, oh, we've got to get up tomorrow at 5.30 and drive up to the ferry to get there, but we made it. And we had been diving once before, but it was very controlled.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like,
0: you couldn't actually swim around. They just, like, hold you under the water and you breathe.
1: Yeah, they essentially dragged you from point to point and you just sort of knelt on the ground and looked at sharks and and fish as they went by. There was no swimming as such.
0: Yeah. So with this diving course, this was proper diving, where we would swim around. And I want to share a couple of lessons first around fear that we learned. Um, so something that I noticed was with diving, the key thing is to breathe. Every single thing comes back to breathe deep, stay calm, breathe in and out. It's,
1: it's about relaxing. I think it's that's, about relaxing. that's that's one of the main things as well. It's about knowing that your equipment is going to work and being relaxed around that equipment and the situation.
0: Yeah, trusting in the process, and even if your equipment fails, you still need to keep breathing. So even if your mask gets knocked off, if off your head, if your regulator, which is the bit that you breathe through, if that gets knocked out of your mouth, you still need to stay calm, reach for the regulator, put it in your mouth, and keep breathing. The thing with diving, right, is if you if you don't breathe, if you panic and you start hyperventilating, you die.
1: Oh, you're in big trouble. Like Absolutely. you die,
0: you die. So, so being relaxed and staying calm is critical to your survival. And I thought I, I really liked this because I'm always telling people, you know, in my group coaching with my one-on-one clients, um, when they, when people get up to speak, um, I'm, I'm very focused on their breathing and wanting them to or, or teaching them how to breathe in and breathe out and staying calm. The thing is when you're speaking to a group, if you panic – Right, and 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 forget to breathe, you're not gonna die. Right. You're just gonna forget what you're gonna say. So there's no like life or death situation there. But something that I loved from the diving was that you must must breathe. So I think if it's good enough for diving, right, if 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 breathing is going to keep you alive under the water, then it's absolutely gonna keep you calm and safe out of the water as well. So that was the first lesson. The second lesson around fear that we got from the diving was around separating your fear from the reality. Aaron, can you describe to us how we went? What what was the actual um, how? What was the situation from when we went to the shallow from the shallow water to the deep water, and what happened in your brain at that time?
1: So. The, the first dive we did was a confined space dive where it's it's only, you know, you, you, if you stand up, you're out of the water. So you kneel down and you do a bunch of skills. You clear your mask, you take your regulator off, you replace it, you get air from your buddy, um, you take your mask off and you put it back on. A bunch of skills. Now, me and Christina did that the first day we turned up. Perfect no problems all good uh, pretty confident so you know we, we that was our first day we were very happy with it went back in had dinner I was pretty confident uh, even though I'm not a massive lover of, of like the water but I love the fish I love the the visuals but you know I have seen my odd horror movie jaws many times Um <laughs>
0: Is that playing on your mind? No, nah, it wasn't it. it wasn't
1: so much Jaws, it. but it was definitely like, it, you know, it, it. deep water. <laughs> yeah. I was like, look, I can breathe, you know, because I'm always like, from my perspective, I'm a bit like, um, it's deep water. So I would rather it was, you know, not so deep. Um,
0: yeah. So then the deep, wa- when did we go into the deep water?
1: So it was the next day after um, breakfast.
0: Aaron's barely woken up.
1: Yeah, I'd had He's like- He's
0: barely rubbed the sleep from his eyes. Two
1: hours sleep. <laughs> and we'd just done the skills in the in the shallows, which was no problems. And we got out and the guy took us out and it was like 10 meters and- On a boat. On a boat. And he gave us like, a, I don't know, a 15, 20 minute spiel before we left about what we'd be doing. And it was very similar- the majority of it, to what we'd done the day before, but there was a few differences. And one of them was inflate your BCD, which is your life vest. The buoyancy control device. Yes. Yep. So we get on the boat um, and I'm like focused on how deep it is. I'm not thinking about all the things he said to me on the sand about what we'll be doing or anything like that. So... I'm not focused on the skills. I'm focused on the deep water. So we get out and then, you know, we're, we're on the boat and he's like, all right, get out backwards. So you you
0: you like roll out of the you boat. roll out backwards. of the boat
1: backwards onto your back into the water. And I haven't completely inflated my BCD. So the moment I get in, you got like weights on you and the whole bit. And the moment I get in there, there's some. Air in the BCD, so it's sort of keeping me afloat, but it's sorta of not. And I start to think to myself, I don't want to do this. This is not I don't feel comfortable. Uh I don't feel safe. Um and the guy who's training us, who was lovely, like he was genuinely lovely, but he wasn't the most most empathetic guy in the world. And he was like, All right. Um, you know, deflate uh, your BCD, deflate your BCD and, and go to the, go to 10 meters down. And I'm telling this guy, I'm like, uh, I'm not sure about this. I don't, I don't know if I can do this, you know? And at first I was like, uh, I wouldn't say wishy-washy, but I was like, oh, look, I'm unsure. And, and he just kept repeating the same thing over and over again,
0: deflate your BCD descend. and
1: go to the bottom of the, the yeah. ocean. And I eventually, after getting pretty panicky, was like, in no, in no uncertain terms, with, with some colorful language, I'm not doing that. Now, I had Christina with me, so she was intelligent enough to be like, well, I can tell Aaron is not going to do it, because once he's got something in his head, he's not, you can't move, you can't move me,
0: like... Your mindset was not in the right place. Yeah,
1: And, and I was just like, oh, this isn't going to work. And then instantly I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to waste this money. And, um, you know, we're here for four days and, oh, can I do this? And, and all these things start coming into your head. And I, I got back on the boat and we went back in. Um, I was saying to the guy, oh, is there another way we can do it? Can we walk out from the beach? you know, go from the the, the Wait, can shallows. We, can, we,
0: can we just pause there for a moment? Because we reflected on this afterwards, right? And you were saying things to me like, I'm not sure about the safety of this place or how well this guy's trained, even though everything the day before was exactly the same. And it was a very interesting example of how your brain, the fear switch had been turned on and Everything you'd learned about breathing, staying calm, how to deflate, inflate the BCD, all of that just went out the window because your fear response had just taken over, which was a result of – it was the deep water, right? That's what –
1: Yeah, it was purely the deep deep water. water. Like I said, uh, the day before, I'd done all the skills, which were the exact same skills we were going to do, except that it was in 10 meters of water as opposed to being able to stand up.
0: So I I want to take a moment to relate this back to what might be happening in your life, dear listener. Um, I have worked with a lot of people who will say to me, oh, Christina, I'm fine one-on-one. I can explain what I do. I can articulate myself one-on-one or I can speak to a small group of three people. But as soon as I'm in front of 10 people, I just, I lose it. I don't know what to say. I say the wrong thing. I worried about what they think of me. Now, everything that you're doing is the same right? You're saying the same thing. You're delivering the same message. You're still the same person. The only difference is the size of the audience. So all of a sudden, that one factor that's changed is triggering a fear response in you where you're going, oh my goodness, I can't do this, which is exactly what happened to Aaron in the shallow water. He's like, yeah, fine. Got it. Easy. And then as soon as you went to the deep water, it was the same skills, the same instructor, the same conditions it was a sunny day still warm water still sunny day but the fact that it was deep he allowed that to freak him out and as a result couldn't remember the skills that he needed to do so i just want you to have a think about what a what's a situation that that can trigger this type of response in you and i want you to know that it there's nothing different about what you know or what you're going to say it's purely the situation which is something that you can change your perception on like Aaron was saying before he was focused too much on the deep water when what did we because I remember we talked about how you would change your focus what did you change your focus to that helped you in the long run
1: well I think I changed my my view of what we were doing because when I spoke to our, uh, the the trainer, I was like, I think I can do it if we go from the shallows to the deep. I'm like, but just, you know, bailing out of a boat and un- <laughs> deflating my BCD and be like, go down 10 meters. I was a bit like, oh, that just doesn't seem right. Like it doesn't seem safe, you know? And like you said, my brain kicked into that survival mode where it was like, don't do it, don't do it.
0: I feel like it was level we went from level 1 to level 5 like in one like overnight with no prep and I know Zay talked about this on their podcast um, they did a podcast about how to create a great learning experience and they used the analogy of a ladder so pretend that your audience or your your students are on a ladder and you're taking them step by step up each rung and you need to know what level they're at in order to best guide them and in terms of where we were we were at level 1 And I felt going out onto the boat was like going up to level five. When what we ended up doing was we started, we walked out into the shallow, practiced the skills again, and then walked out into the deep. And that was like going from level one to level two.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we walked out to the depth the next day after doing the skills again. And when we got to the 11 metres down, we did all the skills again and it was fine. Mm. Um, obviously, Christina, we, I'd had conversations with Christina and she'd helped me see what I should be focused on as opposed to, you know, the the fear of, of deep water or the fear of the safety aspect and, you know, all the things that I shouldn't be focused on and what I should be focused on, which was I... I've seen a million documentaries, you know, Jacques Cousteau when he's underwater and he's seeing the boats, he's seeing the fish and he's seeing the turtles. And that's, that's what I wanted Mm. more than I want to learn to swim under the water. I was like, I want to see the wildlife. So focusing on the wildlife and obviously relaxing and breathing and all that kind of jazz, um, that was very helpful. Christina does yoga, so it was a little bit easier for her, I think, because she was used to having that breath control while doing exercise, where for me, I'm just not used to it. It's it's a skill set that I acquired while being there.
0: Hey Rockstar, are you a professional woman? And you're at that point in your career where you know that you want more recognition, you want to get to that level of success that you want and you deserve and have more influence in the workplace. If that's the case, then I invite you to apply for my group coaching program for professional women, which starts on May 28th. So if you want to speak up and be heard, make a bigger impact, have more confidence with public speaking, influence and engage your colleagues and stakeholders, then this is your program. Go to thecmethod.com slash group coaching for more info and to apply. We'll set up a discovery call and explore if the program is a fit for you. The call is free and there's no obligation to sign up. Not at all. We're simply exploring your goals, your aspirations, your challenges and whether this would be a great program to help you get there. That link again is thesamemethod.com slash group coaching. Also, check out the description of this podcast in your app. The link will be there as well. I look forward to speaking with you. Okay, back to the show. So going back to that point about having that empathy for your audience, I think that is so important Um when you are running a workshop or, you know, speaking to an audience, just knowing, knowing where they're at. And this could be simply, have they just come in from lunch? Is it first thing in the morning? Are they still feeling tired? Are they stressed and running in between meetings all day? You know, knowing where they're at psychologically and energetically is going to, like if you can empathize with them and say something like, Hey, hey, everyone, so I know you've just come in from lunch, so you might be feeling a little tired, so we'll keep this nice and short and and, and a bit more energetic for you. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying something like that and then your the audience goes, oh, cool, they get where I'm at, you know. So I feel like our guide could have done that a little better by, um, you know, first thing in the morning by saying, hey, so how did you go after yesterday? So today we're going out into the boat. It's going to be a bit deeper. Um, you know, this is, these are some of the things that might come up for you, right? But there was no mention of that. It was, okay, we're going to the boat. This is what we're doing. A, B, C, D, E. Okay. Questions? Good. Let's go. And it was just, there was no time to, to think about or mentally prepare for what was coming up. Having said that, I did speak to a friend who's also done the paddy open water course. And he said that they taught it exactly the same as, as what I described And he thinks that they do that deliberately so that they, so you don't have any time to freak out. Do you think that's the most appropriate way of preparing people, Aaron?
1: Look, I don't think so, but it's all relative because I spoke to Christina's dad, Bill, and I spoke to another guy who's at a co-workspace, Julian. Both of them were up at the Gold Coast. And essentially they said to me they had 15 minutes of training and Mm -hmm. people put the tank on their back mask in their mouth, a mask on their face, uh, the rebreather and said, off you go with no, like, you know, prolonged safety training at all. And I just thought to myself, man, if that was me, I don't think I would have gotten in. So, I mean, at least with Patty, they take you through the skills. Mm. They're focused on the skills. They're not focused on the mindset, Mm. but, um, you know, Like, it could have been worse. It could have been, you know, like Bill and Julian and just being like, you know, get in the water. You've had your 15 minutes. Now, now swim around like a fish.
0: Look, for all of the work that I've done in terms of facilitating and teaching people, especially teaching new concepts, especially when it comes to public speaking, doing something that's very nerve wracking for a lot of people, I've come to learn that the mindset is the most important thing. Like I can teach someone all the skills. I can say, you know, stand like this, move your eyes like that. Here's what you say. You know, here's how you structure something. But if someone's freaking out because their mindset's not in the right place, they're not going to be an effective speaker. And it's just like where you were at, Aaron, like you knew all the skills, but your mindset wasn't in the right place and you weren't able to focus on what you needed to do, which is like the thing, like what's the action you need to take? So I feel that I really feel that um, the instruction methods of paddy could be improved. And look, I don't know if that was just the way this particular instructor or resort taught it. I don't, so this is a bit of a disclaimer. I don't know if that's how all of paddy uh, instructors teach diving, but I'm just giving you my opinion based on what I experienced from this particular instructor. Um so something that something that i would have loved and this is what i would encourage people to do if if you are teaching a concept to check in with people so so not just demonstrate so what patty did really well actually was they demonstrated the skill Absol- i said absolutely they said here's how you do it they demonstrated and then they got us to do it and then if we didn't get it right they would get us to repeat it so they used demonstration and repetition and active participation to to teach which was really effective
1: The one thing they probably could have done a bit better, which um, you know, in all learning, you can do this, is about reinforcing it by saying, "So, what have you learned?" And um,
0: yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, and and asking people, you know, have you got that? Doing repetition is fine, but reassuring someone that what they're doing is right. I think is very important because I did all the skills and the guy was like, yeah, good. But it was like I thought to myself, well, is it real good or kind of <laughs> good? or
0: A little a little bit of recognition goes a long way. Absolutely. And look, everyone's different. I know that we're, Aaron, you and I are the kind of people who like that verbal um, encouragement. Uh, you know, So for someone to say, hey, you did that really well, um, something that I would love is – I love, I love talking about it and reflecting on it, right? This is what I do in my training. I'll say, um, what was easy? What was challenging? What are your observations on that? And then people go, oh, I found that really weird or I found that really hard. And i say, oh, what was hard about it? And then we talk about that. And then other people go, oh, I found that hard too. You know, so it helps people to feel connected and also reinforces and validates their feelings, you know, because someone might finish something and go, oh, that was really hard, but I feel I don't want to, admit that it was hard because everyone else looked like they got it, you know, and then they feel a bit isolated because they feel like they're the only ones who struggled. But if you do a group discussion afterwards and go, hey, let's reflect on that. Let's share your observations, share what worked, what didn't work, um, what came out of that, then people can have a conversation and then feel connected and I found myself after the dives wanting to talk and go, you know, oh, that like that was really cool and that was that was hard or I, I, I was struggling a bit here but our instructor was like, yeah, great, okay, next lesson is this, you know, and it was a bit, oh, a little bit deflating. <laughs> but that's us, you know, I know everyone learns differently hmm. but I'm sure if we want that then there's bound to be other people who want it too.
1: Yeah, look, I am sure there, there's a lot of people who would just give me the ABCs and I'll get it done. Where that's not the kind of person I am, and it's not the kind of person you are, but you know, I I definitely know people that are like that. Yeah. You know, give me the dot points. That's all I need.
0: Yeah. Well, that's another important point too, as a as a speaker or a trainer, to understand that everyone learns differently. And I've talked about this before when uh, in my podcast about format, the the way to structure your presentation. Um, Some people are experiential learners and they're very connected emotionally. Um, Some people are more fact-based. They want to know, um, tell me what is this thing? What's the skill? Other people are more how. So how does it work? And then other people are more, um, some people are more why or why is this important? Why should I care? And then other people uh, are more, okay, how would this work for me in the future? Or how can I build on this idea? So everyone is different and it's interesting because i i think i'm going to hazard a guess and say that our instructor was very much what focused so he was very much he's what you do blah 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 mm. abc uh,
1: he also had a bit of the why because he was like hey it's dangerous it's this it's that so look he wasn't super one dimensional i thought he was i thought he was pretty good and he got better as the time went on
0: he learned how to deal with us yeah <laughs>
1: Like that was the other thing, like, cause I'm sure they're getting people from all over the world and, you know, culturally everybody learns differently as well. I think, you know, one country's who, what, where, why, how is different to ours, you know? So, and I can completely understand that they need a, a standardized uniform approach. And I think on a certain level that, that really does work. But yeah, you also need to understand that everybody's an individual and to get the best out of them, you need to think, you know, what what motivates someone or, or what supports someone.
0: Absolutely. And you know, one thing I will, we will wrap soon. So one thing I want to end on is that he was very accommodating. So something they did really, really well was when we showed some resistance and were saying, no, we don't want to do this. We want to go back in. He... Was very accommodating and said, "Yep, absolutely, let's do that." And then when we asked for, you know, can we walk out to the deep water instead of take the boat, he said yes, and he came up with an alternative for us. So he did, um, you know, when we we are we, we had to ask for it, which is another lesson in itself that if you want something, ask for it. Ask for it. <laughs> if you don't feel comfortable, then vocalize it and say, "I don't feel comfortable. I want to do something else." And a good trainer or teacher or instructor. Um, should be able to accommodate that for you. You know. You, you want to feel comfortable when you're learning something new and if you're teaching other people, you want them to feel comfortable and to trust you as well.
1: Well, it's it's like anything. You need options to, to get the point across. It's, it's like a good analogy. Um, if you're trying to say something and you're saying it regularly, I find I'm a salesman and sometimes I use analogies. You know, one person's analogy is another person's, who are you talking about and what are you talking about? You know, you could use, like someone said today, a friend of mine was talking about Imelda Marcos uh, overseas in Singapore to someone younger, and they had no idea who Imelda Marcos was. If you don't know who Imelda Marcos was, uh, she was the wife of the president of the Philippines. She owned 10,000 pairs of shoes. Almost as many as you. Yes, almost (laughs) as many, but not as many. (laughs) And essentially, when people reference her, it's like uh, an overindulgence. You know, you don't know when to stop sort of thing. So you can use a bunch of different analogies for that. But uh, our friend Martin decided to use that. The people didn't get it. And I'm sure he went on to a new analogy. But, you know, when you're teaching someone or you're trying to make a point, sometimes you've got to be prepared to have, you know, uh, a different way of putting it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. A few different ways of explaining it. Actually, that reminds me, I want to bring a few more metaphors and analogies into my training as well, because I tend to not do that or else you tend to just make them up on the spot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because Like a,
0: <laughs> can you come up with one now?
1: What would you like an analogy for?
0: Uh, you can, like, make them up on the spot and shoot them out really quickly, like a... Oh,
1: like rapid-fire machine guns from a Rambo movie.
0: <laughs> so good. <laughs> See what I mean? I wish I could do that. you can have to teach me, Aaron. Yes. Maybe you can do a whole podcast about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> well, it, it makes
1: people, you know, relate to it easier than, than, you know, using terminology that they're not, you know, that's not as engaging.
0: You know, I heard about a book. It's called I've Never Metaphor I Didn't Like. (laughs) And apparently it's got like really good metaphors in it. Mm. I should check it out. Anyway, thank you so much, Aaron, for joining me. No sweat. I know I sprung this on you last minute. No, I'm always ready. You know me. Like a – ready like a –
1: I'm ready like when you switch on the radio and those uh, breakfast radio people at five in the morning sound like they've been up for seven hours and they're just ready to talk and yes, yes, yes. Here's the weather and here's this and here's that. That's you? Yes. (laughs)
0: Love it. Well, thanks, Aaron. And thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode keep on being awesome. And I cannot wait to speak to you next week. If you want to check out the show notes from this episode, they will be at thecmethod.com slash 209. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Tell them, hey, there's this awesome podcast you should listen to. It's called Stand I Get Noticed. It's one of the best ways for this podcast to get um, shared and listened to by more people. Thanks so much again, and I'll talk to you next week. I'm Christina Cantors, and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.